And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Another great week, in fact. Today is Cyber Monday. It is also Protest Monday. It is a uh, day of rage around the world in parts of the world that are terribly, terribly oppressed and uh, ground down and where liberty is taken away. A day of rage in China. We will be speaking to uh, Gordon Chang about what exactly is going on. A day of rage in China, in Iran, as a prelude to the big soccer game, and of course in Arizona. How's the uh, protest doing in Arizona? How is the uh, protest doing in Washington state where there was a congressional race? There is a congressional race, which has been over for a long time. But there is uh, one of the candidates. Even though the margin. Get to all of that. There is also a great deal of controversy concerning the guest list down at Mar-a-Lago. Now, you may say, okay, give Trump a break. It's a weekend. He should be able to talk to whoever he wants to. But what if the uh, people he apparently wants to talk to and, and welcomes for dinner uh, happen to be two of the most prominent uh, anti-Semites and uh, radicals and uh, hate merchants, frankly, in the world? Uh, we will get to that. This is a subject of a lead editorial in the Wall Street Journal. So we will get to that coming up on the Medved Show. We will also be speaking to what exactly is to be gained at this point from the continued struggles in Arizona of trying to get the election done over again in Maricopa County when the Republicans in Maricopa County, who basically run the county, are saying, please don't do this. We will get to that as well on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, first of all, for people who missed the uh, news over Thanksgiving week, uh, I want to make it uh, pretty clear because I think it's one of those things that it, it is an important uh, matter. And once something is including a very prominent editorial in the Wall Street Journal, it should be important to any conservatives who really care about the future of the conservative movement and of the Republican Party. Uh, President Trump had a dinner. It was not on Thanksgiving. And a lot of people who are uh, confused about this have, have said that, oh, it was Thanksgiving dinner. It was Thanksgiving week, and they, apparently they had Thanksgiving themes. And they had a number of people, and Kanye West had asked if he could come for dinner, and uh, he had not notified President Trump of the guests that he was going to bring with him. One of the guests is unidentified, uh, but one of the guests is very much identified, and his name is Nick Fuentes. And uh, the, the 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 situation with Kanye West and the unapologetic. I mean, completely unapologetic and intensifying anti-Semitism is pretty bad, but it um, it gets much worse when you bring Nick Fuentes with you. If you remember Charlottesville at all, the, one of the worst things about Charlottesville was it was on Friday night 
which of course is a time when uh, Jews who follow the traditional religion will go to synagogue or temple. They have a temple, which is the way you refer to a Reform Jewish uh, congregation, in Charlottesville. And uh, Nick Fuentes was one of the people who led marchers uh, going around that temple with torches saying, Jews will not replace us, Jews will not replace us, etc. And uh, Nick Fuentes is also somebody who, in one of his most notorious uh, proclamations, has said that the Holocaust was no more serious than a bake sale and that the the ovens that uh, were used to uh, to abuse human remains, to burn up human remains, were actually used for uh, a cookie bake. And uh, I, I know it's, it's an attempt at being humorous over the death of six million people, which Nick Fuente says did not happen. Uh, here's the way the Wall Street Journal writes about it. They, uh, they write that Donald Trump's presidential campaign is barely two weeks old, and already it has his trademarks of bad company and bad judgment. Both were on display Tuesday evening when he hosted the rapper Kanye West, who now go by the name of Ye, as we all know, and some comrades, interesting choice of word, for dinner at Mar-a-Lago. One of the hangers-on was 24-year-old Nick Fuentes, a prominent white nationalist who mocks the Holocaust. Uh, Mr. Trump claims that Mr. West had asked to see him and brought along Mr. Fuentes. The former president says he didn't know who Mr. Fuentes is, which is really, honestly, considering how prominent Fuentes has been. He led demonstrations... Uh, before January 6th, he was also there on January 6th, but he led demonstrations with uh, people cheering down with the GOP, down with the GOP. He was campaigning against the two Republican candidates who would have kept uh, Kelly Leffler and David Perdue. He was campaigning against them because they would have kept Republican control of the Senate. And though he claims to be very pro-Trump, uh, he says that he he doesn't support a Republican Senate. So before another George, do you want to have such a person at your home for dinner? And by the way, when you're the former president of the United States, uh, you've got some control over who they bring along and you sit down in, in your private club. I mean, especially you have some control because it costs so much to be a member of the private club generally. Uh, Mr. Trump, Trump claims that Mr. West had asked to see him and brought along Mr. Fuentes. The former president says he didn't know who Mr. Fuentes is, but both Mr. West and Mr. Fuentes have said since the meeting that Mr. Trump was deeply impressed with Mr. Fuentes' political insight. Great. That may be because sources on hand for the dinner have leaked to reporters that Mr. Fuentes flattered Mr. Trump. Nothing goes further in Mar-a-Lago than flattery writes the Wall Street Journal. Others have lambasted Mr. Trump for hosting Mr. Fuentes, including David Friedman, who was ambassador to Israel during the Trump presidency. He's also a longtime friend and uh, attorney for President Trump. Mr. Trump's failure to vet visitors is an example of his usual lack of organization and discipline, especially given that Mr. West has also been spreading anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. But worse is that Mr. Trump hasn't admitted his mistake in hosting the men or distanced himself from the odious views of Mr. Fuentes. 
Instead, Mr. Trump portrays himself as an innocent who was taken advantage of by Mr. West. This is also all too typical of Mr. Trump's behavior as president. He also ducked responsibility and never did manage to denounce the Proud Boys, the Oath Keepers, or others who have resorted to divisive racial politics or even violence as on January 6th to 2021. Um, Look, this is one of those things where... (laughs) Is it possible that Trump could have actually helped himself by acknowledging that there are some people like Nick Fuentes, who is uh, a nakedly white supremacist and who has said before that all black people and all Jewish people should be driven out of the United States. A great friendship he must have with Kanye West. Okay, meanwhile, they have problems in China. And they really do have problems. Big protests, historic protests. What are they angry about? Or is this similar to just objections to Dr. Fauci? No, it's much, much more than that. We'll be speaking with Gordon Chang on China and COVID and the current deep unrest in the Middle Kingdom. That and more coming up on The Medved Show. Your outlet for outrage. It's outrageous what's going on out here. It's The Michael Medved Show. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing, and I'm telling you, it's going to explode. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1770. And on the Michael Medved show, for people who make excuses for China and for all of its excesses and its neglect of democracy and its oppression of its populace, the one thing you hear about China is it's stable. It's a stable place, good place to invest. Well, right now the market has gone down sharply earlier this morning because of China and demonstrations in Nanjing and demonstrations in Shanghai and Beijing, most amazingly, protests in China. What is going on? No one better to talk to on that than uh, than Gordon G. Chang. Uh, Gordon uh, has written books about the coming collapse of China. Is this part of that process, Gordon, is it that serious, the demonstrations about the zero-tolerance regime concerning COVID? I think so, Michael. You know, you you snickered a little bit, and you should, because I can justifiably be criticized for calling the collapse of the Communist Party too soon. But what we were seeing uh, over the weekend was extraordinary. Um, What happened is uh, these protests just um, started... Um, They were no organization, no leaders. They just started because people had had enough of the Communist Party. The Communist Party has lost people's hearts. The reason why that's important, that's a phrase from a famous Chinese historian, Yu Yingshi, who said that the reason why the Communists won in 1949 over far superior forces of Chiang Kai-shek and the nationalists is because Chiang had lost people's hearts. And we're seeing the same thing today. And uh, we're seeing it. It was all provoked because of a terrible fire. And uh, the fire is associated with uh, COVID and the lockdown policy. How does that work? Yeah. In, on Thursday, there was a fire in an apartment block in Urumqi, which is the capital of uh, the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region. 
and firefighters couldn't get to the block because of COVID uh, barriers on roads. And people were apparently locked into their homes um, by COVID authorities. So people died, including children. And that just triggered white hot anger across Chinese society. So it was the COVID rules that uh, led to horrible deaths. Of, they say 10, but most people think that it's four or five times that well, number. Well, I understand the, the government's line is, uh, well, hold on for a moment. We are saving literally hundreds of millions of lives by our tough COVID policy. Uh, is, is China doing well in handling COVID in the country where it originated? No, they're not. And the reason is that um, there have been a lot of lives lost because of these COVID rules. People not being able to go to hospitals, people starving uh, in their homes, can't get out. And, um, of course, there's been uh, economic toll on uh, society, uh, mental health, um, you know, as we've seen in our own country, Michael. And so really what we're having is when you balance all that off, um, it's really horrible. Now, China could... China's right now in a, in a very serious COVID predicament, um, but they're there because they refuse to import um, modern vaccines. And so because that would have been an admission that foreign technology is better than China's. So right now, basically, there's nothing Beijing can do. It's damned if they do, damned if they don't. Uh, is, has the locally made uh, vaccine in China been widely applied? Is it a heavily vaccinated population? heavily vaccinated population, except for uh, elderly. But uh, it, the two main Chinese vaccines don't work. As I said, certainly they, they're not effective at all against uh, the most recent variants, Omicron and uh, the Omicron subvariants. And so um, they, they just, uh, they feel they have no defense against the disease other than isolation. And they've got a political problem in that Xi Jinping is identified with zero COVID, so you can't criticize it because that's politically impossible. And because the Communist Party weaponized um, COVID propaganda in the early months of the pandemic, telling the world that its control of the disease proved the superiority of communism over democracy. So what happens next? And by the way, you thought that I was snickering at you. I wasn't at all. I mean, I thought it's just ironic that a very long time ago you wrote about the coming collapse of communist China and what we're seeing before our eyes is jaw-dropping. This is the most serious kind of protest they've had since Tiananmen Square, right? Right. I mean, uh, and, and I don't mind being snickered at, uh, <laughs> Michael. Um, this is actually more serious than Tiananmen, even though Tiananmen involved far more cities and, and much larger numbers. And the reason is that in 1989, most virtually no protester wanted the Communist Party out of the way. All they wanted was uh, Li Peng, a hardline premier, to step down so that the party could reform itself. So they, they were into the party system. And these days, we saw this weekend, people were chanting, down with the Communist Party, down with Xi Jinping. Uh, you can't get more revolutionary than that. What's going to happen to those people? I fear for them. Um, you know, right think. now the crackdown is starting. China has artificial intelligence, facial recognition, um, maybe as many as 620 million surveillance cameras. So they can identify everybody of interest to them. And I think it's going to be a very dark period. 
much as it was after the Tiananmen massacre, where China then started rounding up people who had been, you know, demonstrating in in uh, Beijing and the 370 other cities. Do you think many people in China recognize that uh, their vaccines uh, that they've been very, very forcibly encouraged to get uh, are less effective than uh, the vaccines that we have in the West? Well, if they didn't, they, they certainly have as they watch the World Cup on TV. Um, this has been another really extraordinary um, development where the Chinese people saw, you know, all these people in the stands in Qatar and they're saying, well, they're not masked. And and then the, the thing is, the Chinese people, they're very clever. They said, uh, are those people on a different planet than we are? How come we're not past COVID? And that has been part of the reason for the anger recently. There are a lot of things that have been building up to this, Michael. It's a tipping point. And uh, what is the next stage in the tipping point as as you would anticipate it? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think this is going to be a long struggle between the party and the people um, because we saw real anger and defiance and fearlessness over the weekend. Um, and I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of, lot of fighting between the party and the people, which means China is going to be unstable. Would it be smart for the West, the United States and our allies, to offer uh, the Chinese people some, some help with getting vaccines? Sure. I think that would be a great public relations move on the part of the U.S. Because yeah. we're saying we want to save your lives. The Communist Party doesn't. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, Gordon, I know you have to run a very busy day for you and, and keep um, uh, elevating us with the truth, which right now sounds encouraging for people who hate communist tyranny. We will be right back with another tyranny that's on wobbly legs right now. We're talking about Iran with someone who's been imprisoned in Iran and has some real perspective. We will be right back on The MedMed Show. The Michael Medved Show, all across America. It's an honor to talk to you because I think you get the best talk show in the, in the United States. Thank uh, you. I agree. This is The Michael Medved Show. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Global. Jason Rezaian is a uh, writer for the Washington Post, a correspondent for the Post stationed in Tehran from 2012 to 2016. Uh, he spent 544 days, just let that sink in, think about it, unjustly imprisoned by Iranian authorities until his uh, release in January of 2016. He's also CNN contributor, and he's uh, a Neiman Fellow at Harvard, class of 2017. Uh, Jason, uh, you wrote a piece recently saying that uh, you're favorable toward Team USA in the World Cup. Who isn't? But it's even more important that Iran advances in the World Cup. Why is it so important that Iran win? Michael, you know, I know we always like to think that, that sporting competitions like the World Cup or the Olympics uh, are supposed to be on politics, but obviously they aren't. And at the moment, with uh, nationwide protests taking place in Iran, a brutal crackdown by the regime against protesters, 
ongoing for almost three months now. Really, the country is in the midst of a freedom movement. Uh, shining a spotlight on that country uh, and its sportsmen uh, at the World Cup is a great opportunity to bring billions of eyes uh, onto what's happening in that country. Now, that requires sports commentators and and uh, and others to uh, to bring this up. But as 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 I watch the coverage of the World Cup, uh, all discussion of Iran uh, inevitably comes back to what's going on on the ground right now. So I think to keep that going as long as possible behooves that movement. And uh, in terms of where the movement goes. Uh right now i mean uh we're going through these very serious demonstrations we're just speaking to gordon chang who uh says that these are the most serious signs of unrest in china and many was worse than Tiananmen square and what we've had going on in iran it's been three months uh is the regime in serious trouble I think it is. I mean, I, I, I don't uh, want to predict, uh, you know, a timeline for uh, the collapse of the Islamic Republic, but I just don't see uh, any going back to an old status quo. Uh, Iranians have made clear that they no, wanna, no longer want to live under the repressive rules of this state, if they ever did. Uh, but they don't have any fear about uh, standing up and and defying uh, the, the rules at this point. And frankly, uh, in in the past, you know, over 43 years, there's always been some protests uh, inside Iran. We remember famously 2009 and 2019. Uh, there is nothing that the regime has to offer uh, to placate the the very um, legitimate demands of Iranian people. And I just wanted to add on, you know, going back to your your point about the, the protests in China, um, it was really uh, heartening to see groups of uh, Chinese protesters saying that they're standing in solidarity with the women of Iran. It's uh, an incredible thing. Uh, you know, we've watched the, the march of authoritarianism over the last few years uh, to see people in these two countries pushing back uh, and, uh, and, and calling for, for greater freedoms. Um, it's a sign of hope in an otherwise dark time. No, no, I, again, I, it, it is amazing the times we're living in, because first of all, we have the struggle in, in Ukraine, and am I correct that there has been no country in the world that has been more supportive of Russian uh, brutality in Ukraine than Iran, providing That's drones right. and uh, equipment and <laughs> unqualified support? And actually, uh, Ukrainian authorities came out today and said that um, you know, Iranian um, military operatives have been caught and maybe killed in Crimea in recent days. So, you know, I think the Islamic Republic has um, has chosen their side in that battle. And if you'll remember, uh, in early uh, 2020, uh, Iranian authorities shot down a Ukraine uh, Airlines passenger plane uh, that had, you know, 170-something people on board. Uh, there is not uh, a lot of uh, good blood between these two countries, and I think um, you know, Iran, very defiantly standing up uh, with Russia, um, is is a choice that it's made to uh, to double down on uh, its repressive history and and what it thinks is the pathway forward. I just don't think that that's um, 
well, I should say I hope that's not the uh, the, the the way that, that things are trending around the world. And and Russia, I take it, among the populace in Iran is not a popular cause, is it? Not at all. I mean, you know, uh, Iranians have uh, deep distrust for Russia going back centuries. Uh, the relationships between the two countries have always been um, pretty strained. Um, Iranians have felt that Russians have taken advantage uh, of, of them on more than one occasion. And, you know, I remember uh, in the early 2010s, um, you know, reading stories uh, in, in the Iranian press of you know, prominent Iranian businessmen who were doing a lot of business between Russia and, and China saying, essentially, you know, this is not our preferred relationship. We'd prefer to do business with the United States and Europe. Uh, this is just a placeholder for us. So it's, it's really a marriage of convenience as far as I can tell. Would you um, like to see, now that we've, uh, I think, pretty much abandoned the idea of, of restructuring the Iran nuclear deal, a um, more forceful, fervent speaking out in behalf of the uh, voices for freedom and hope in Iran from the West, uh, hearing Certainly. more from, from America's leaders about how important this is? Yeah, and, you know, I think, I think we can all agree that, that you know, a, a long-lasting nuclear nonproliferation deal with uh, any country uh, that doesn't currently have a nuclear weapon is probably a good thing, but um, ultimately now is not the time to, to negotiate something like that with these people because who knows if they will be here uh, a year from now. Uh, but yes, I think that, that the U.S. Uh, should be speaking out more, more forcefully. And I will say that, you know, I've been watching um, Iran and U.S. relations for a very long time. I think the Biden administration is actually saying a lot more of the right things. And in my, my closed-door conversations with officials in the administration, they're trying to do more than either the Trump or uh, Obama administration did. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be learned, and it's very difficult when you haven't had diplomatic relations with the country uh, for 40-plus years to have a really good grounding on what it is we should and shouldn't be doing to support these efforts. But right now, you know, the thing that, that I keep hearing about uh, is the need to help Iranians stay online, connected to the Internet. Uh, and one thing that I'm tracking very closely is um, efforts to ease the way for Iranian dissidents to come to the United States to, um, to add to conversations about ways of supporting Iranian civil society, uh, because ultimately – we're we're dealing with a, a void of of, of good of good intelligence. Uh, you still have family back in Iran? I do. I have lots of family. Um, both my own, my, you know, the siblings of, of my father who are still living, many cousins, um, and my wife's family are all there. And you must worry about them all the time. Uh, and you know, our conversations with them are. Uh, sometimes <clears throat> strained because you never know who's listening. And given our own uh, experience of trouble with the regime uh, several years back, uh, which continued well after my release, you know, harassment, propaganda against uh, myself, uh, it is you know it's a it's a constant concern. And um, you know we've seen that the, uh, the the soccer team is being threatened right now. 
No, no, I just have to we're going to bring that, that story in just a moment. But uh, I, I've got to tell you, appreciate your voice so much, and God bless you and give you strength. We will be right back on The Mentad Show. Speaking with Jason uh, Rezaian of the Washington Post, who has actually been imprisoned for more than a year by the uh, Iranian government. And he mentioned uh, the threats today, just reported by CNN, um, to the family members for Iran's World Cup soccer team. They have been reportedly threatened with imprisonment and torture. This is the family members of the players. If the players fail to behave, in quotes, ahead of the match against the USA on Tuesday. That, according to a source involved in the security of the games, uh, following the refusal of Iranian players to sing the nation's national anthem in their opening match against England on November 21st, the uh, source said the players were called to a meeting with members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, it's, it's extremely terrifying. And, and again, you would think, well, why aren't some of these athletes thinking about doing what used to be called defecting? That would happen. That was a problem with a uh, athletes from the old evil empire of the Soviet Union, of Russia. And uh, people would defect when they could, including some very prominent people. But here, the, the ruthlessness of the regime in terms of brutalizing family members is obviously going to work against that. The AP is reporting an Iranian general today acknowledged that more than 300 people have been killed in the unrest surrounding nationwide protests, giving the first official word on casualties in two months, that estimate is considerably lower, <clears throat> by a factor of 10 at least, uh, than uh, the toll reported by human rights activists in Iran, a U.S.-based group that has been closely tracking the protests since they erupted after the September 16th death of a young woman uh, being held by the country's morality police. Uh, this is extraordinary, and this is uh, what is what is coming up for the uh, U.S. team, which is going to be playing the Iranian team, and it's one of the reasons that uh, Jason Rezaian has written about why Americans might... Uh, of course you want to see the U.S. win, but why it would be important for Iran to advance in the World Cup. Uh, this is a, a world sports anchor, Patrick Snell, who is uh, reporting about the controversy surrounding the upcoming U.S. men's national team's uh, game match, I think you're supposed to say, against Iran. That's tomorrow, uh, clip eight. U.S. soccer telling us today it changed Iran's flag. This was for a 24-hour period on its social media accounts to show, quote, support for the women in Iran 
fighting for basic human rights, but did always plan to go back to the original flag. Now, the emblem, the emblem from Iran's flag is missing during that period on the U.S. soccer's uh, social media, but the emblem remaining on its main website. Now, in response, Iran state media reporting on Sunday and this could be highly significant, that the United States should be kicked out of the tournament and suspended for 10 games for what it called distorted image of the country's flag. We haven't heard anything from FIFA officially on this, Jim, but it's just another high-profile incident in the build-up to a game already attracting, attracting major scrutiny. And uh, Tyler Adams, who's one of the captains of the UN, uh, U.S. men's national team, uh, also created controversy by mispronouncing Iran and uh, was called out by an Iranian journalist and the kind of journalist who represents, obviously, the the government of the very benighted government of the mullahs. Uh, it sounded like this, uh, clip 14. You say you support the Iranian people, but you're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named Iran not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? And uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement uh, over the past few years. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. One thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and having to fit in in different cultures, is that in the U.S. we're, we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. I grew up in a, in a white family with an obviously an African-American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures and I, I was very, very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So, um, you know, not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously it takes longest to understand and through education I think it's it's super important like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of, of your country so um, yeah it, it's, a, it's a process I think as, as long as you see progress uh, that's the most important thing um, and which is actually kind of a better answer than you would expect right now isn't it I mean uh, and and by the way the difference between Iran and Iran uh, I mean, this is not a Miss South Carolina thing. Uh, he, he wasn't talking about the Iran, the Iran, pardon me. And, uh, and you know, and again, how is it that the representative of the Iranian um, media could be so sensitive on this? Look, if your country has been known as a world pariah, uh, for for years, and and you think about going back to taking the hostages, and it wasn't just America. Remember, they also were were taking Canadian hostages in embassies in Tehran at the time, and that this was so celebrated, and the brutality of the Iranian regime. The uh, the idea that how can you be so sensitive on something like that? Well, it it has to do with the position in the world, and this is why uh, I, I, what's going on in China is so remarkable, because China was supposed to be a rival to the United States, this super stable, capable regime, brutal.
and certainly not freedom-loving. But now the, the word on what the protesters are actually saying about China is so remarkable. Uh, here's a CNN report. This is clip three on the demonstrations going on right now. I'm in the center of a protest in Beijing right now. They're chanting that they don't want COVID tests. They want freedom. They've been chanting this for hours. People have gathered here in the center of Beijing to protest the COVID measures. We are in Taoyang District. This is the city center. This is also where the authorities have urged people to stay at home because the COVID outbreak is severe here. Now, the area is also important because this is where the American embassy is over there. There are many foreign embassies over here. There is a heavy police presence. I am surrounded by police. They're telling me to shift in a little bit. And if we just turn the camera around, you'll see there is a row of police. There is mostly young people who have gathered here. And many people are also holding white papers in their hands, which is a sign of solidarity against censorship. Which is remarkable. And even more remarkable, the um, the the... A leader of the Communist Party in China, Xi Jinping, uh, recently gave himself or had the party confer upon him all kinds of dictatorial powers. And they, people in the streets in China, responding to that. This clip, too, listen. What they are saying is to resign. They want Xi Jinping to resign. Uh, now, is he likely to resign? No, certainly not at this point. But is this a very serious matter to this regime? I think it unquestionably is. Uh, there will be uh, coming up uh, next hour, we're going to be... Uh, talking about more protests, other protests that are very indignant, very impassioned, uh, protests not in Iran or China, but in Arizona. Is there honestly a, a, an end of democracy that is being imposed by the Republicans in Arizona who are now being attacked by other Republicans who are election denialists? We will get to that situation with Henry Olson of the Washington Post and the Ethics and Public Policy Center in this greatest nation on God's green earth.